The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to the Doctor Who Pod, an SJP World Media production. My name is Soy, and today we are going to be looking at an episode of Doctor Who that doesn't take us too far back, really, because it's starring Jodie Whittaker as a Doctor, and it's very, very recent. And when I say we, I mean obviously not just me. Joining me, as always, is my partner in time, Mr. Dan Griffin, feeling very tired and sorry for himself. How are we doing, my friend? I think I've somehow stepped into a TARDIS and been deposited in the middle of a sun. (laughs) I am the sweatiest man in existence. It is disgustingly hot. And I'm just going to be very British and complain about the weather for most of the day, I think. Fair enough. Because if it's too cold, I'm not happy. If it's too warm, I'm not happy. If it rains, I'm not happy. If it doesn't rain, well, well, we need it, don't we? So I'm not happy. So Sounds very much like you can't win, mate. Well, if, I won't be a Yorkshireman if I won't complaining. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a local pastime up here. How are you right? nobody? Yeah, well, I, I'm all right, apart from my hand. I, I mangled my hand at work, didn't I? So, finally, yeah, um, for, for anybody wondering, if, if you're wondering how mangled size hand is, the uh, the offending digit that's sort of got most of the damage does look like a partially grilled so- Richmond sausage. It does. Other sausages are available, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but yeah. It's, that, it's that particular type of pale casing that they've got the Richmond's. Yeah, it's fucked, mate. I can't bend my hands wrecked, basically. And funnily enough, it took place with some orange and blue metal racking that we see a great deal of, the exact same type in this episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> the levels on this show, Sai intentionally injured himself just to make that uh, just to make that little comparison, that little segue. That segue, that's that's how committed I am to the cause, my friend. That's right. Today's episode of Doctor Who is from New Who. It's looking at a Jodie Whittaker episode, as I mentioned at the start of the show. First broadcast on the 18th of November 2018. Uh, this is Kerblam. St- well, a couple of guest stars in this as well, Dan, that are very familiar even to me. Yeah, um, also a quick shout out to Mags, Kablam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do that, yeah. Um, the uh, the main one, I suppose, is uh, is Lee Mack. He's got a cameo in this as Dan, uh, who's mm. working in the uh, working in the Kablam warehouse, which is basically intergalactic Amazon. Um, and then we also have in there as the uh, sort of the head of HR or the head of people that they call it is uh, uh, Julie Hesmondhals, who plays Judy Maddox in this and would be more recognisable to people as Hayley Cropper from Corrie. Yeah, she was in that for years, weren't she? Yeah, because I remember she was in that when when I were in it. But... 
So yeah, it was. It took me a while to play. So I was looking at it thinking, I know her, I know her. Mm. And for some reason in my head, I kept going, "It's not Sue Pollard. Stop it! Yeah. <laughs> it's not Sue Pollard, you silly bastard. It's somebody else." <laughs> so I had to look up, look up. But yeah, um, so those are the sort of two familiar faces. I didn't find any others really. No other links, unfortunately. Oh, okay, fair enough. I, I mean, we'll get to Lee Mac straight away, I suppose. I mean, I have got a note about him later on, but whilst we're talking about him now. Lee Mack uh, works at Kablam. He's a warehouse worker and so on. For some reason, I mean, I've, again, I've not seen this episode since it initially aired, as with a lot of new who is the way. So I kind of remember things wrong if I remember them at all and so on. Uh, Lee Mack, I thought, was in this a hell of a lot more than he was. Same. I, I was under that impression because I've watched this maybe twice, um, obviously before looking at it for the uh, for this episode. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I remember there being a lot more of him. It's um, mm. it's somehow a memorable cameo without him actually doing a lot. Yeah, he turns up, tells a few dad jokes, does enough to be to come across as sort of an endearing character, and then he's murdered basically quite unceremoniously, just very quickly out of the story. He's in the uh, the first act, as it were, really. Yeah, yeah, and that and that threw me when that happened because obviously you know I, I was able to remember what happened to his character of Dan, but I didn't realize it happened. I mean, I don't think he made it eighteen minutes into the show. I think he was done earlier than that. He was done in the first third, yeah, mm. definitely. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of unceremonious. unceremonious. He's there. He has a chat with Yaz you get the feeling that something's going wrong because he, he takes, he has his um, order. Yes. It's in a section of the warehouse that's sort of been falling into disuse, I suppose, or something dodgy's going on. The triple nines, he calls it, doesn't it? Yeah. Tri- tri- section triple nine, fi- uh, double five, dash Y or something like that, I think it was. Um, so Dan, <laughs> Dan basically ends up being ends up being a murder victim because he's uh, he's just too nice to people and you know it goes with the name really we're just uh, we're victims that's of it, our mate. own uh, victims of our own kindness really that's right that's exactly right just too good for our just too nice for our own good <laughs> I, I nearly said too good for our own nice though too good for your own nice <laughs> that makes zero sense <laughs> it's just me being fucking thick don't worry about it <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I mean, basically, the, the episode starts here with the Doctor, uh, Ryan, Yaz, and Graham in the TARDIS, all scurrying around the control panels, and so on. they're effectively being chased by something. It seems before the Doctor yeah. twigs that it's nothing to be too concerned about. It's just a delivery. The it's one of the very few episodes that we've covered of, of New Who where there's no sort of preamble. It's just straight into the the opening. Mm. Uh, the opening credits which I still like uh, I still think they look amazing and then we're just straight into the TARDIS speeding through the vortex seems really dangerous but it's it's just a teleport pulse for a creepy looking delivery robot yeah the Kablam man he, he turns up and he's got the, the, the parcel for the Doctor and he's saying delivery for the Doctor and so on and yeah straight off the bat these things are creepy aren't they and I, I yeah. think what add, excuse me what adds to their creepiness is that fake smile painted on smile on their faces that makes them even more unnerving for me it's the um it's like the the ventriloquist dummies you know the classic looking ones ah yeah where they've yeah. got the big smiles and the, and the the wide round dead eyes 
it's the same principle, I think. And then they've got the, the panels over the mouth and over the nose where you can see the sort of welds in the metal and, and the joins in the panels. And it's it's a bit of that uncanny valley sort of sort of things where they, they look just human enough to be frightening. Yeah. But um, ventriloquist dummy, that's 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 spot on. I didn't think of that before you mentioned that, but that is so accurate. Yeah, it, and I've, I've got it in my notes as well. It's the eyes and the fixed smile. But I do like it when the doc says, it's the Kablam man and Graham's in the background. So you're just making noises now. <laughs> yeah, Graham's brilliant throughout this whole episode, isn't he? Just little white liners and all that. Yeah, absolutely superb. Absolutely he he comes up with another one when she, when the doctor's actually finished explaining what Kablam man is and that it's, like I said before, basically into, into galactic Amazon. Um, he just sort of turns to Yaz as a space postman seeing it all now. Yeah. <laughs> space postman and it is to me it is it is quite a funny concept because obviously this is a huge takeoff of the whole amazon business model isn't it it's the, the whole process that they're, they're sort of but they're borrowing the idea very much for the kablam company aren't they in this episode yeah where it's you know it's it's almost a caution it's one of these ones that i think was a bit on the nose in in so far as it was a a cautionary tale against being against companies becoming too automated and, and doing away with the human element and, and bits and pieces like that. It's, yeah, it was where it was, I was I was having this conversation on the way back from Newcastle last night with my brother and it was hard to put into words without sounding like one of those, you know, back in my day sort of thing. Yeah. But when Russell T Davis was writing, it was very much show don't tell in terms of tackling social issues or, or social issues, uh, sexuality issues. You know, they introduced Captain Jack Harkness in 2005. It was, you know, bisexual, essentially con man. Mm-hmm. It was out to out to shag everybody, but it it, <laughs> it wasn't. It was never presented as as salacious, or it, Jack was never presented as anybody out of the ordinary, essentially. And that was the way that it was done under Russell T Davis for these Jodie Whittaker episodes. It's very much more tell don't show. Yeah, you know it's very. It, 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 there's there's all, there's less to, yeah, there always has to be a big speech. There always has to be sort of removal of any interpretation, you know, any element of interpretation. To see, the one that always pops to mind is uh, is the, when they're on the orphan planet in that spa, and the, the these creatures are coming through, and like, no, nothing should be able to live there. And then it's right. oh, and then it's becomes oh wait the, the the planet is actually earth and these are what humans became because they nuked themselves into oblivion mm. yeah it's a bit on the nose isn't it yeah um so i was i was a bit unsure about how this was going to play out because i remembered all of that just in the opening scene when i just here but it's actually it's actually not bad it's there's some bits that are pretty funny i, I can certain some bits where it does just descend into being like quite oof, you know quite heavy and and does have that drama element and things like that. For, I mean, the first bit that tickled me is, is when the doctor opens the package, pulls out a fez. Yeah. It says, what do you uh, think, still me? You know, harkening back to Matt Smith, which I just absolutely loved. That was And, and that was the line even before that as well, saying, you know, I don't think I've ordered anything. It must have been a while ago. And then yeah. the fez comes out. It may, that, that, yeah, it's just great. I love the little touches, that little throwbacks. I think that's, that's what makes the show really clever sometimes. Yeah, it does. And I th- they did this. I think they seemed to do this quite a lot in uh, in the early days with uh, with Jodie. But I never get bored of it, really. 
No. Um, but she said in, in the delivery slip, there's a help me printed on it. And bless him, Ryan, first thing he does is say, well, it's just bored people pissing about. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, we spoke about Ryan on, on our episode uh, covering a Jodie Whittaker story for the Doctor Who pod season one. Uh, about, and I said I found his character quite wooden, quite not really necessary him being there quite a lot of the time. Mm. In this story, I find him even worse. The, the yeah. dramatic moment, yeah, the dramatic moments that we'll, we'll get to, obviously, you know, the, the whole conveyor belt thing and all that sort of stuff, that's fine. But there are other moments where I just think, oh, mate, no. Again, maybe he's not helped with the dialogue he's given. I don't know. But I mean, I the think... moment where Graham makes a joke at his expense. And he literally stands there and goes, ha, 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 yeah, funny. Oh, th- that was that was quite cringe to me. But then again, he's he's a young lad taking shit off his step-granddad. Mm. And yeah. it's, uh, it's at a point in time when they've had a very sort of fractured relationship because he was raised by his grandma. Graham comes in, so not, not late in the day, but you know what I mean, he's not not the granddaddy, he, he, you know, he knew when he was young and all that. And a lot of this first series of of Jodie's was Graham and Ryan actually getting closer in the in the after his nan's death. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, in in a wider context, it does that does make sense. But as a one off, I can completely see where you're coming from. But yeah, there was a wider sort of explanation to that. Also on the topic of Ryan, just so people are aware as we go forward, I realised as we pressed record and started the episode, every time I reference Ryan in my notes, I've actually wrote Dan. So I don't know why that's <laughs> happened. I've changed as many as I can see. But if at any stage I say Dan by mistake, it's because I'm a moron and I wrote the wrong name down for the whole episode. It was just watching Doctor Who and thinking about me. That's exactly it, mate. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, the Help Me message inspires the Doctor and her crew to go off to the Kablam warehouse and find out exactly who it is who needs the help using, and this was great, using the psychic paper and... Your favourite. Oh, yeah. And the sonic screwdriver to con their way in as new starters in in the warehouse department and so on. New employees, basically. I thought that was really good. Yeah, they do. It's it's brilliant. They're on on one of the moons of Kandoka and Kablam's turned the whole planet into a warehouse. There's 10,000 human employees there and God knows how many, you know, robots and all the automated systems and all the rest of it. And, and this is where Ryan actually comes out with a half-decent line because he just, because he's he's got a background in warehouse work and things like that. And he just says, halfway across the universe, and I feel like I'm back at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, is, to be fair, if you've got, if you're on, you know, you're traveling, you're seeing all this mad shit and then, come on, we're going to go work in a warehouse for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, I, I, I imagine pretty much everybody has had one of those mundane jobs similar to this. So I think this is quite quite good in a way with this story because it's it's relatable. Yeah. And whereas I'm critical of the Ryan character quite often, you, that that moment there and the fact that he has worked in something similar to that and in a similar environment that they keep coming back to throughout the story. Yeah, that does well, make it fairly relatable. I mean, I've worked in a big warehouse like that picking packing all the parcels going on a shoot all over the place and it is crap yeah. well I, I spent a lot of years working retail you mm. know so there was a there's a degree of where i was working that but you said about ryan and, and i've felt i felt for a lot of his run that he was written to be a bit of a spare part 
Yeah. Um, I don't think it's any fault of the actor. I think he was let down by dialogue and direction and the way he was told to play things, you know. Um, but in this one, this was the, one of the ones where he contributed a lot more to the actual goings-on because, as we see when they get assigned the jobs, he's already in his element. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows his way around these places. He's, he's confident that he knows what he's doing because one of the aspects to Ryan's character throughout was always a sense of self-doubt. Yeah. He's got this it, issue as well, hasn't he? It's some sort of coordination issue that I suppose... Distraction. Yeah, yeah, which causes yeah. him to... Like you said, self-doubt, that it will contribute to that, I imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because part of it's... Um, a big thing throughout is um, trying to teach him how to ride a bike. Because mm. he just... He, that sort of level of coordination is just a bit beyond him. So stuff like... When he says stuff like, I can't jump down there, Yes, he's afraid, but he's also afraid that he's not physically able to get it right. Yeah. So th- there is a lot of layers to it. Um, and even when he's just standing up for for one of the uh, for Kira later, you know, in a little bit as we're going through here, it's it's it, it's one of Ryan's better like better hours, but that's not saying much. The best of a bad bunch potentially. <laughs> the best of a mediocre bunch, really, because mm. um, he's—he never does anything majorly wrong. Doesn't Ryan? Mm. But he never does any. He never seems to do anything massively influential, apart from here. But even then, it's like so. You know, if he just averages out at a five, this is taking it up to a six, maybe. Yeah, but, okay. but then he's competing with Yaz, uh, with Yaz, who's a trained copper. She's going to have the the training and the experience and the knowledge that that he doesn't. And Graham's obviously got the advantage of, of just life experience in general because he's he's that much older. And and obviously he's got the advantage of you know having a personality. But there and, we go. And, 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 <laughs> and, and being written and allowed to show the personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I do like this moment here as they're walking in to the Kablam. I suppose place for the first time. And Lee Mack is there walking along with them, making a few jokes about the robots. And Ryan says about them being creepy. And the doctor responds with, Hey, that's robophobic. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I did like is Lee Mack's named them all. He's named all yeah. the robots. He's a morning Les. How's the family? And the robots, <laughs> just, the robots just there saying, that is not my name, but I, I acknowledge your amusing co-worker banter. Co-worker banter. And I'm just sat there thinking I have worked with people with far less humour than that robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the robophobic line was uh, was just sort of dropped in. Um, I want to know who these, who these mates are that are robots. Yeah. I, I want to see... I, I, I want to see... The, uh, yeah, true. Forgot about, forgot about that little bugger. But I want to see like the Doctor with a full-on robot crew. Yeah, just sat in a bar somewhere playing cards or something. Imagine if just like pluck like a Cylon out of Battlestar Galactica. I think it's Cylons are in Battlestar Galactica, or you know, C three PO or something, just rocking around. <laughs> <laughs> just John, Johnny Five, just in the background. Yeah, just just arranging a meetup of all these random robots from different shows because you know they 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 all know each other. Just head off to a reunion through the, do- through the doctor, naturally. Yeah, yeah, had some sort of you know sci-fi reunion at an old community center or something. <laughs> Somewhere shit like Wrexham. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear we basically then all, all the characters are being uh, 
assigned roles and jobs, aren't they? But we have the, the the issue of these power outages that we sort of come across the first time as as people are being assigned roles within the Kablam company, and it's <laughs> Bradley Walsh's face in that scanner. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on that where they've been because they've been assigned they've been scanned and assigned roles based on stamina, fitness, uh, you know, yeah, general health and whatnot. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking over you there. No, no, it's fine. No, he's just he's just so funny. He's sat there thinking, "What the hell's going on here? I don't like it." <laughs> <laughs> he he is fantastic, being, isn't he? And he just he ends up being he ends up being given uh, what they call they call it premium maintenance role, but he's a janitor. Yeah, he's, um, he's, yeah, he's a cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, old, mind. No, not at all. But he's pissed off with it. Yeah. Um, and is it just me or were those group loop things like creepy? Group loop. Where it's the ankle tag, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah. And Bradley Walsh is saying, are we under house arrest? Yeah. And they say, oh, no, it monitors, uh, it monitors productivity and feeds it back into the system. That's what Amazon has as well, mind, isn't it? That's Fuck like, off, not, really? Not the, not the ankle things, but your scanners. You know the scanners they were using in this episode here? Yeah. To scan the products and so on. You do have set times to do stuff and get it done and productivity uh, evaluations all, all by your little scanning machine and all this sort of stuff, yeah. God, it's proper like, and there was a big like hell. Yeah, there was a big exposed exposure about it all a few years back, if you remember, oh, in the right. news. And it was like people were working their working themselves it's getting ill, passing out in Amazon and all this sort of stuff because they had to meet certain targets that their little right. scanners were dictating them to do and so on. That's what a, that is okay. There's a there's a company in Gloucester actually where, where I live, literally just around the corner from where I work, funnily enough, it's on the same industrial estate hmm. that is very similar as well. And you, you you do twelve hour shifts, four on, four off, and you're expected to meet certain criteria by certain times of the day. If you don't, then then there's disciplinary issues and so on with regards to what you're picking and how much stuff you pick and get it into the destinations it needs to be. Almost like they want it to be automated, but they're still using the person rather than having a robot do it. They're expecting you to be the robot, I guess. But yeah, it, it does it does genuinely go on at Amazon and, like I said, this other company in Gloucester, yeah. Which, okay, I, yeah, that bypassed me completely. I've never worked in anywhere like that, so... Like I, said, I just don't know, but that's mm. fucking mental. But then that then this episode now makes all the more sense because you're like you're saying there, they're trying to get to a point where they can say humans just can't do what we want them to do, so we're going fully automated. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's the that's the sort of real Amazon comparisons that I drew from this episode when it first aired, and when mm. I mentioned to the wife Sharon about this that we were covering today for the show. And she actually bought it up herself. Do you remember all the stuff that came out about Amazon a few years ago? And I, and they got investigated for all sorts of different things because their workers were unwell and people were genuinely getting sick because of the expectancy levels on them and all that sort of stuff. And we had a conversation the day this episode first aired after watching it about how it was, I suppose, similar to how we discussed things being so on the nose. This was very much a takeoff of what was happening with Amazon and the issues they were having as well. Yeah. It's just, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can have. I, just, I can't imagine it. Can't, that's beyond anything I've ever experienced. But, yeah. I mean, you get, you, you get it in all sorts of jobs, I suppose, don't you? Like the, these, these little anklets, I suppose, are, are tracking people as well, aren't they? So they know where they are and so on. Mm. 
drivers yeah. now you, you think of delivery drivers now so many drivers now have a tracker on their van to know exactly where they are and what they're doing and, and so on they can't take extra breaks and you know like internet trackers to find mm. the vehicles and so on so i suppose it, there's so many aspects of what we're seeing in this episode of doctor who that are actually in modern life as well yeah that makes kind of the on the nose aspects a bit more tolerable hmm I think because, like I said, I, I, I never thought about it that way before. But now it makes sense. That I, I can kind of see why they'd go that route and just say, look, we're already nearly there. Don't let it get this bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I, don't, you know, I don't think we're at the point where somebody's going to try and uh, try <laughs> try and make weapons out of uh, what we'll see later. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you oh. never know. As you said, the, the Doctor swaps jobs with Graham scans the little anklet scanner job is changes the color because the doctor needs to have a purple one so that means that she can be in is it dispatch where they package i can't remember the name of the actual section i think it's dispatch where she believes the labels came from with, with, the, the with the help slips. me mess yeah the packaging slips with, with the help me message on there and that's where we meet kira for the first time she's working with ryan and the doctor basically packaging things up in that particular section. And I, I like Kira. She was great. Yeah, she's... The, they managed to make Kira a really endearing character. Mm. Not a lot of screen time. And I, can't, I don't know the actress's name off the top of my head, but she played it perfectly. You know, this, this young woman, she's a bit naive. She's got a bit of a tragic past. The society, obviously, this society's gone pretty dystopian and about 10% of the population are in work and in the whole galaxy. So she's just happy to have a job, yeah. And she, she finds the she finds the sort of idealistic and really nice way of looking at what is essentially most people would regard as a bit of a shit job. Yeah, and yeah. she's incredibly optimistic, isn't she? Totally, you know everything. The the conversation she has with Ryan, trying to say, you know, don't when I have a bad day or when I'm having um, uh, moments of feeling a bit, you know not happy with my role, I try and imagine the people receiving their parcels and opening yeah. their boxes with the stuff that we've sent them and their deliveries and how happy they would be and the, the happiness on their face. And you think that is so lovely, but it's also kind of tragic at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, well, it go, they go into Akira's backstory a little bit. She's only ever had one present in her whole life. Oh, because she Because she, she's, you know, she's an orphan. Never knew her mum and dad and, and she got it from, from Kablam. She mm. got it from the company for her birthday the year before, a little box of chocolates. They're proper tugs at the heartstrings. And like this, yeah. with how optimistic she is and, and how positive, I'm a cynical old bastard. I, like, I, I quite often see characters like that and think, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust people who are that happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then, but Kira treads the line perfectly. You just, she's, that, she's, that, she's that kind of colleague that I'm sure we've all had, where they might not be the best at the job, but they always give everything they've got, and they're just the sweetest person. And if anybody ever tried to fire them, they'd be fucking up raw because mm. they're just yeah. so good. They're just so good to have around. Yeah, no, I get you. And whilst we're learning about Kira in the one section of Kablam, Yaz is working with Dan, Lee Max character, and we find a little bit more about his background as well. I suppose this this early sort of first 15, 20 minutes of the show is really sort of setting up the characters that we're going to be d- 
dealing with for the, the, the latter half of the show, I suppose. We've met Kira here and had her background explained and, and some of the aspects of her life. And here with Lee Mac, Dan, we find out he's got a six-year-old girl back home that he sees only twice a year. And he's got yeah. this necklace that she made for him. And he sends all his money back for her education and so on. And again, it's really sort of tugging at the heartstrings. You know, yeah. it's, it's like... It's it's that feeling of oh why this you know and he he says as well doesn't he that he wasn't a good husband to mm. his 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 daughter's mum so he's trying to put things right now so again you kind of you kind of think okay nice people I suppose yeah you're rooting for him he understands his faults he's trying to make amends he's and he's trying to have a bit of a he's trying to have a bit of a laugh. You know, when he's saying he springs for an economy shuttle twice a year to see his family. Yeah. And stuff like that. You, th- you know, I, uh, grow, you know, growing up, at one point, my old man was always working away to, just to make as, as much money as he could, you know, keep everything yeah. going in. At one point, he was working in Belfast. So, you know, this bear in mind, this was the 90s. So he'd come back for a weekend every three weeks. Right. And that was hard. Like, as a kid, that was hard enough. But as an adult now, I obviously appreciate how hard it was for him as well. Mm. But to make that six months—that's like being on a—that's like being on a tour of duty, you know, in the armed forces. Yeah, something like that. It's it's absolutely. And again, it just adds this sort of corporate overlord dystopia feel of the whole thing. Because we've had the you know by this point we've had the uh, Judy Maddox in. Um, giving it the whole, you know, powered by people, corporate spiel. Yeah. Um, which is all a bit, bit odd. Um, and now we're getting this, and, you know, Lee, uh, Lee Mack, Danny, he's got his face on a poster. They're saying, yeah. he got, saying he got extra credit, and he sent uh, sent one back to his little girl, to, you know, so she'd be proud of him and stuff like that. They, they do really well with these side characters in making you sort of root for them or feel something for them in, within mm. a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Dan also has a great line here as well, saying about the, the sort of percentage of workers. There needs to be ten percent of organic workers, as the, the the phrase keeps slipping in, rather than fully automated because of these protests that they, they they've had in the past and so on. And Dan explains that, and, and I got the line here: while we were busy staring at our phones, technology took our jobs. And that's one of those moments I think is quite on the nose, trying to point out what's going on. But at the same time, I really liked that. Because it's it's poignant as well. Mm. It's exactly what could happen given half a chance. You know, in real life, it's it runs it runs that line pretty well. Does that does that one piece of dialogue? Um, but then we get we get the teammate, the robot, saying, uh, "Great talk, guys, but unnecessary talking can lead to productivity reductions. Why not pick up the pace a little?" Now, I've worked for people like that in the past, mm-hmm. when it, especially in retail. Fucking hell. And he just turns around. <laughs> Lee Mack just turns around as a sure thing, Basil, and then turns back as he was a pole dancer till his hips went out. <laughs> <laughs> and she has like a little chuckle. He's just like, obviously, it's, he's not really had many people to talk to working this job. He's, he just says to her, I like you, Yaz, you laugh at my jokes. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a little bit of the real Lee Mack coming into that character there. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. But that's the, um, this is the point where, the order comes in from set. Oh, I think I was wrong when I said it. Set for, uh, for Yaz to go to section nine 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 five five stroke seven. Mm. 
Yes, and Dan says nobody goes down to the triple nines anymore, really. Yeah, and it's this first 15 minutes, we're kind of getting a real slow build of something not being quite right. Yeah. The whole, you know, powered by people thing, the the teammates being creepy, the, the, the ridiculous focus on productivity and now this, or the power drains as well. It's it's building up quite well, but it, it somehow still managed to felt slow in that first 15 minutes for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've got that in my nose. It, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as slow when I watched it again this morning, but it, again, it could be the problem with the way I made my notes because if, I, if something is in my head, I have to get it down on my notes there and then sort of pause a lot. Okay. Um, otherwise, I'll just forget what I was thinking. Right. Um so that could be it. It might be uh, it might be a me issue. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't. It wasn't like a lightning pace in any way, shape, or form. But to me, it was kind of. We we had several different groups of people doing different things that we were cutting back and forth between. Mm. Setting the scene, I suppose, setting up the characters and so on. It didn't feel slow, but at the same time, it was very much not action packed. I guess. Yeah, that could be it. I think normally when you've got multiple stories like that running, you know, running parallel, you get a you get a bit more of action in one of the stories. Mm-hmm. And like you say, this is all this is all very much character based. Um, although I'll give it some, I will give the next bit some credit because they introduce the uh, the warehouse executive in the next scene, and yes. as 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 Doctor Who always does, they know how to write a bastard. <laughs> Yeah, I've literally got here Jarvis Slade, boss, slimy prick. When he's telling Kira to engage a brain if she can find it, I've just got in brackets um, uh, a word that I won't drop on the podcast because you'll have to bleep it. Mm. <laughs> and we all know that my editing skills don't go that far. So, <laughs> Well, actually, you know, we've got to have at least one boundary. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. this, is what, this is what I was saying about Kira, though, because Ryan's instantly sticking up for her. Now, I think that's probably a bit of Ryan's personality anyway. But they've been working a, a, a fraction of a shift together, and mm-hmm. he's already decided, I like you enough to talk shit to this guy. Yeah. And then the doctor's there saying that she'll add a, a being written up for insubordination to a collection, <laughs> which I thought well, was I mean, good. <laughs> to me, I think as well, though, the way that they've created the Kira character and made her this really likeable naive kind of optimistic person that you just your heart just goes out to the moment anyone says anything negative towards her you instantly think they're a dick so i think the kira character is so well put together that it really helps us instantly know we don't like this other fella yeah absolutely it's kira is one of those real sweet naive characters that you just want you just want to protect at all costs Mm. because she is it is fantastic the way she manages to be so naive, naive and optimistic and not be irritating with it. Because mm-hmm. that's what so often have happens in the way the characters are written or the way the way they're performed or directed. They branch off into like sickly sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And this doesn't Kira manages not to do that. And one thing I do like here is um a speech, a little speech from the doctor. After she says about you know look, wanting a, a being, wanting to be written up for insubordination, and she says something that's very true. She says, "Gentle people skills advice for you, Mister Slade. Respect goes both ways. 
the best managers, the really good ones, value their staff and know instinctively if someone is in trouble or is asking for help. Now, how good a manager are you? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant little couple of lines, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a very eloquent fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We then cut back, though, to our mate Dan uh, down in the triple nines, and this is where the creepy robots appear. And he's talking to the one of them, who's not responding, which again, as we've seen already is unusual because Dan makes jokes with the robots and they respond and so on. This one has just stood there staring dead ahead. Creepy as hell. Dan has a little look decides, okay, there's something wrong with you. Fair enough. I'll, rep- <laughs> I'll, I'll report it. He knocks it on the side of the head. Yeah. Asks if, asks <laughs> if it's practicing, it's lurking. <laughs> he, he says, I'll report it. Don't worry. And then turns his back and the thing comes alive and, grabs dan and and that's kind of that isn't it so lee mac is no more as far as this show goes yeah not the um not the most sort of auspicious um cameo for you know for somebody who's from another form of media you know in mm. comedy but it wasn't bad it, like i said no. i mean maxim maximized his minutes yeah, I think, yeah. in that role um i gotta be honest though if you're working in a warehouse that big and the lights were that bad Surely you wouldn't want to wander around there. Nah. Even if it is your job, you're just like, well, start out the lights first, then we'll go there. you get lost as well, though, wouldn't you? I, I would. Yeah, easy. Easy it's get Massive. Lost. I mean, that's something else as well that I, 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 I suppose I really want to touch upon with this episode. There are so many moments where we get these incredible visuals of how vast the Kablam, uh, I suppose, facility is. Some of them being the warehouses, the sections of the warehouse themselves. Some of them being when we see the, the robot army later on, which we'll get to. Uh, some of it being when we see the, the parcels zipping around on their conveyor belts. Visually, I think this is this episode's incredible. Yeah, they did a really good job with all that. Um, just well, they had to convey something that was taking up an entire moon. Mm. That that's the sort of scale of thing we were talking about. It's, you know, I've stood in an aircraft hangar, and they are vast. Yeah. But these, this facility takes vast to a whole new level. We're, we must just be seeing a fraction of what that facility actually is. Yeah. Because it, it, it must go, it obviously goes really deep underground and all the rest of it. It's just, yeah, the, the effects as well, like you say, with the, uh, the bit with the conveyor belts, just really, really good, really well done. Um, but one thing I do like when Yaz is looking for Dan, she hears a scream, finds his car, and they'd actually had the presence of mind to make sure that Dan's scanner had been ripped apart and deactivated. Right. It's just one of those little touches where you just go, okay. Right, you know, they could have, she could have just found a dead a, you know, scanner with the screen off. Yeah. Or you just looked at it and thought, oh, never mind. But they just went that little extra, that little extra way further. Mm. Yeah, to have, to have the wire showing, and it's it's a weird thing to pick up on, but it always I always spot it when I watch this episode. But spot you're it right, first, it, yeah, it's an important touch, I think. Yeah, that's that's spot on. Yeah, and you know, there's there's some bits that I may sort of be some might think overly critical of, but you've got to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Yaz, 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 Yaz ducking under the racking though, she gets away from the teammates a little bit easy. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, they. She finds the necklace as well, doesn't she? That that Dan's daughter 
sent mm. him, um, which makes it a, a little bit extra sad that this has happened. But then, like you said, she's she's cornered effectively by these robots, by these workmates, and escapes just by nipping under a shelf. Which, by the yeah. way, you need to be very, very careful doing because sometimes you can hurt your hand. <laughs> As my current state shows. I remember I almost got a bollocking for climbing the racking in uh, in the warehouse just to get something down. Um, right. I didn't. I didn't even climb up that high. Just it was about you know two feet up, just so I could grab, reach up, grab something, pull it down. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, well, all the stairs, all the part, all the movable stairs are in use, and Rich is on the forklift outside, and it's taken me two seconds. Hmm. Yeah, but you could have fallen out yourself, but I haven't. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm in for a bit of a telling off when I go into work Tuesday, because I was doing something that probably is a two, maybe even closer to a three man job. But I was doing it on my own because there's no one else around, and I shouldn't have done it, and it's my own fault. So I imagine I'm going to get a bit of a telling off. But oh, we, we've all done shit like that, though. I, yeah, we were we were like having an office move around a few years back, and uh, I got a bollocking off one of the health and safety people because I was picking up little other types of. Uh, like little chests of drawers that go under desks. Yeah. Like you can you can use them as like little filing cabinets or whatever. Um, I was picking those up and shifting them around, but they were, they were, they were full. Uh, <laughs> I, hadn't, okay. I hadn't emptied them first. And I was just hiking them up and moving them around. Oh. It's like, you've got to empty them first. I was like, I can't be bothered. I'm strong enough. Look, I've done it. And then two days later, my back was in tatters. I was going to say, that's how your back goes, <laughs> mate, isn't it? Eh? Bloody hell. Well, yeah, it's Lift always one your knees. It's a, well... I was trying. It was easy to use my hands. <laughs> oh, manual handling courses, eh? Fuck you know. yeah. Anyway. Go through them and just ignore them. Yes, there we go. Uh, obviously, now, Dan is Dan is gone. The robot's corner Yaz, and Yaz escapes. And we then get... Uh, uh, what's, what's it called? The home section, that they're calling it? <laughs> oh, no, before, that, before that, we've got Graham on his, uh, on his induction into being uh, premium maintenance. Oh, yes. This is brilliant. There, he stood there leaning on his mop, falling asleep, as the teammates are reading off rule number 198, do not drink any cleaning fluids. Yeah. And they pass him over to his, uh, to his mentor, Charlie, who's a younger lad. And he says, Charlie, Charlie's first introduction, Graham goes to shake his hand, he says, I'll... Uh, I won't shake your hand. I've just done the gents. Yeah, <laughs> I'll settle for a wave then. Is yeah. what Graham says, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. It goes into, they go into the. Um, they don't only have the targets for the uh, for the workers in the warehouse, or the packing, you know, the people packing it, or dispatching whatever. Even the maintenance people are timed on how quickly they get to a spillage. Yeah, which is just an, another level of fucking hell. Yeah. Pretty intense, pretty intense. Wee bit, wee bit. Mm. Um, but we find out that Charlie and Kira are uh, that they're sweet on each other, aren't they? In a oh, kind of really so fucking awkward. Was it? I thought it was quite sweet, mate. It was quite cute. It was sweet, but at the same time, I was like, those like cringing, just cringing, just like, oh god, bless. When him. Kira drops her dinner, doesn't she? And and Charlie goes to help her pick it up, and Kira goes off. Oh, look at me, Butterfingers. And Charlie just responds, I like butter. <laughs> Kid's got game. <laughs> I thought, well, this, this is a problem. I think it just sets off too many awkward flashbacks. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Hey, fucking hell, yeah, been there. Useless twat. What, just talking to <laughs> randomly shouting at girls, I like butter. I mean, I was, I was eating toast at the time, but you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, just that general sort of awkwardness. Mm. Um, although it's 
was more teenage years than I'm assuming like early twenties that they are. Yeah, I think they are. Early. They must be. They must be. They see early twenties. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the child labour laws are on Candoke. <laughs> we'll have to look it up, mate. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get my intergalactic, uh, my, my big book of intergalactic lore out. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully you know it's got a, it's got a contents in it, so you can skip to the right page. Otherwise, I'll take a while. Um, <laughs> the Doctor, Yaz, and Ryan go off eventually to see Judy and Jarvis, don't they? the the two bosses to discuss why people are leaving and why people yeah. are disappearing sorry we have missed a couple of good graham lines oh is this where we're at the the, the park the sort of home yeah, yeah, the home zone, yeah it, was the, it was the home zone with um, where kira and charlie are doing their awkward little bit and yeah. um they're basically going to use graham's unrestricted access to try and find out what's going on the, the doctor says to him, you've got unrestricted access and graham said yeah i'm the chronic skin irritation because he's already bitching and moaning <laughs> the chemicals and all of that. And then, uh, what was it? He says, oh, they were saying about, you know, the workplace crush and all that. And Graham says, oh, reminds me, it was the, this is the one where Ryan says, oh, hoo, hoo, hoo. So, yeah. so that reminds me of you when you were younger, Ryan. I say younger, last week. Yeah. A, t- a typical shit joke that you'd tell. But yeah. I'd tell that joke. I-, I would say that about my kids. I'd, yeah, I don't have kids, but yeah, I'd make that joke. Yeah. And Ryan's reaction is nowhere near as well thought out and as clever as any of my kids would be. So <laughs> my kids would completely out banter him. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> I fully believe it. Yeah. You must take after Sharon. Well, yeah, totally. Um, we find out then that whilst the Doctor Yaz and Ryan are seeing Judy and Jarvis, as, as I refer to them, the two bosses, that the slips that had the help me message on are actually automatically generated. There is no person running this machine or no person generating these strips. So the question then arises, how did the help me message get on the slip? Because there's no time for them to do this in dispatch or anywhere else. So how has that happened? It's, it's also a good line from Yaz here as well, because Judy picks up the slip and says, Oh, it says, help me. What does that mean? And uh, Yaz responds, well, it's not exactly cryptic. Yeah, I got that. It was it's a nice bit of sarcasm from uh, from Yaz, but it's what I like about this little twist is saying that nobody's got time to do it. There's obviously something wrong, so it immediately puts the suspicion on the two most senior people. Yeah, which is Judy and, and Jarvis, and the doctor's got a feeling that it, I think that it's probably not Judy because mm. she says several times, "I swear, if you're lying to me," as if she'd be as if the doctor be extra disappointed if it was judy yeah she's almost she's almost believes judy doesn't she so i think that kind of uh that, that kind of betrayal would be more in, more infuriating for the doctor than if it was jarvis who's just a slimy bastard yeah exactly um one thing i do like now though because they're obviously they're all in on something's going wrong and it the doctor keeps calling it a conspiracy theory ryan actually asks a great question he says how wise is it to blow our cover by causing a fight with management and then Yaz is saying that she reckons the Doctor used to like poking wasp nests with a stick just to see what happens. <laughs> the Doctor explains with, I don't like bullies, I don't like conspiracies, and I don't like people being in danger, which is fair enough. So they're just hiding awesome. an alcove. Yeah. Um, but there's another great callback here, another great callback line is the yes. hiding in the alcove. Talking of wasps, did I ever tell you about me and Agatha Christie? I watched that episode recently. Yeah, with, it was a Tenant and Tate, wasn't it, with the, mm. uh, the, Vesper, the Vesper form. Yeah, and the um, 
because we spoke about it, didn't we, on this about the because um, we'd seen the old guy who plays the Sir, was it Sir Hugh, the old fella who was uh, who said he was uh, said he was poring over old uh, old war records when really he was looking at nineteen twenties porn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good, wholesome oh, family entertainment. Wholesome. Yeah, that's it. Lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. 1920s porn. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There was about seven different flapper jokes just went through my head then. <laughs> Graham here has also tapped up Charlie for a map, hasn't he, to be able to sort of get around uh, the kablam facility and i think this is really clever because he's explaining i don't know my way around this place i'm new it's gonna yeah. take me a while to learn can i take a you know can you get me a map and he does so but the interaction between graham and charlie before he taps him up to get a map is quite nice as well because he's talking about how obvious it is that charlie has got a thing for kira isn't he yeah and, and charlie's sort of in the same like naive sweet vein isn't he as kira and he's, he's saying that he can't concentrate when he's near her. And then he says something something a bit weird. He's like, have you smelt her? And Graves is like, strangely enough, no. Yeah. I've been here half a day and I'm not going to go go around smelling people who are young enough to be my grandkids. Yeah, with the sort of last thing on Graham and Charlie after they retrieve the map, because it's it's in one of the cases in the uh, the lobby of, uh, of Kablam. Yes. Everything's supposed to be down for the night, but the teammates fire up. Mm-hmm. And one of them, well, one of them fires up, and it does the creepy head tilt thing, like the scarecrows and like the family of blood we spoke about. Yeah, yeah, does the creepy head tilt, and then it's uh, it's back to the doctor, etc., in uh, in Slade's office, and the the pointing out something brilliant because I love stuff like this where it's so commonplace that you don't question it, but in the context of the show, that it makes no sense. Why did Slade have a clipboard? And why has he got a filing cabinet if everything's automated? Yeah, exactly. So clever. And then they refer to the paperwork as retro, which I quite enjoyed as well. That was cool. But yeah, that that note of, well, why did he have that in the first place? I didn't pick up on it until it was pointed out to me by the doctor and by Yaz and so on. But when it's pointed out to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, isn't that clever? And then again, when Judy Maddox turns up and she said, your group loops told me that you were here. Mm. The doctor's is like, the doctor's basically has, has the oh shit moment, yeah. And says something along the lines of, um, "I knew that, but I forgot it." That's the problem with conspiracies. There's so much to think about. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's sort of at this point that they're getting rumbled, isn't it? As well, because Maddox is uh, Judy's found out that there's no there were no shuttles, but Slade's been keeping a running tally of disappearances, which is suspicious, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah, it is a bit odd. Um, and it just again heightens the suspicion of the management because mm-hmm. Judy's turned up, Slade's doing some sketchy shit. What's going on? Exactly. And whilst this is going on, whilst they are investigating what's going on, looking at the paperwork, and Judy's sort of taking it in as well, and she's kind of thinking, "Well, this is strange. I haven't seen this before." One of the crazy robot dudes attacks, doesn't it? Yeah, the one that uh, the one that powered up earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie goes to try and sort of reason with it um but ryan again has a point you know makes a good point it says if everything's automated and the power's down why is that robot still working yes and it's lines like that i think that they add that sort of suspense or that chill to the scene mm-hmm. because it is that realization of oh my god yeah why and then it starts moving towards you that's that's like you know 
the realization of a character that they're in trouble and the viewer mm. getting the realization at the same time before you actually see the danger i suppose yeah exactly it's a great tactic and, and really well done here so the thing goes for charlie because charlie goes to investigate it and then the doctors truck out sonic it because there's some sort of code that keeps switching so then judy just rips its head off yeah brilliant stuff can't Why beat that not? mate yeah simple solution it's uh, forget fanning about with your fancy technology just rip its head off um but but this is where it all got a bit odd for me because I was thinking, what the way the hell are they going with the story? Because I couldn't remember it fully. Okay. But they find out that the system channeled every, all, the, all their energy into that robot, and it's the system that's gone rogue, mm. essentially, which is an odd one. But then the doctor's still not convinced about Judy, saying, you know, all these people, have you not, you know, has nobody noticed? And Judy said, well, they've all been, they're all showing us active on the system and working still. I don't get notified if anybody if anybody disappears. And in fairness to Judy, she, there's 10,000 people. She yeah, and she's tracking. got this little iPad thing of me, and that's her point of contact for the whole 10,000, you know? Yeah. it's and, and there's a nice bit of sort of fleshing out of, of Judy's character as well, where she explains she's made a career of getting more people into Kablam and, and into work because so much so many people in the galaxy need jobs yeah. they're suffering because they don't have them so she's hell bent on getting as many people as possible actually into work which I think there's there's a lot of sort of fleshing out of side characters here that I think is one of the real strengths of this episode um, mm-hmm. but they're basically just now saying they need the Kablam source code and they've got to go back to reception to get the original delivery bot who was affectionately named Twirly Oh mate, Twirly. Twirly's a star of this for me. I want a Twirly. <laughs> I, I want Twirly. I want a Twirly. I want a little Twirly action figure or toy or something like that. Yeah. It just has a couple of catchphrases as well. Yeah. You press a button and it says, oh, Yeah, I'm pleased to meet you. I'll deliver you this or whatever. Yeah. How do how does a little robot with that that doesn't even have a face manage to be so endearing? I dunno. It's brilliant though. Twirly's a yeah. star, man. It really is. But speaking of stars, we get um, we get Kira um, working. Oh, Two teammates no. appear behind her, and, and she sort of startles. And uh, you know, she was in her own little world. She was merrily going on the way, doing her stuff, thinking about whatever she thinks about. And they tell her that she's been uh, an ex- that she's an exceptional worker, and you- and she's been made employee of the day. And she you just see a little face just light up. Oh, she's so happy, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's getting some recognition, and you know, and all the rest of it, and getting some praise, and then she didn't, she didn't even know there was such a thing. Mm. Which again speaks to naivety and then say Kablam has got a gift for her. So oh, she, and that goes hard to chance. That yeah. harks back to what she said earlier on about having presents. Oh, oh Kira, no. <laughs> Don't go with them. <laughs> God's sake. Yeah, poor Kira. Oh, it's horrible. They take her off, don't they? And oh, it's not. Should, should, we, should we just get that bit over with and, and yes, come back to this stuff? Yeah, so. The teammates bring Kira to what's look what looks suspiciously like an interrogation room. Yeah, um, and she's in there, and oh, this is this is all this is all we keep coming back to Kira, uh-huh. um, and through shenanigans that we'll explain in a minute. Uh, Yaz, Ryan, and Charlie end up on the other side of this two-way, you know, like a uh, sort of one-way glass. Yeah, very sort. Of- Criminal Minds or Law and Order esque, wasn't it? Yeah, so they can see <laughs> they can see into this interrogation room essentially, but Kira can't hear or see them. 
back in, banging on the window trying to find a way in. And a, a Kablam package teleports in. So she sits down all excited, opens it up, and there's nothing in there except bubble wrap. Mm. But Kira being Kira and making making the best of everything and seeing the fun in everything does what any of us would do, picks up the bubble wrap to have a little pop, and we'd all do it. Oh, mate, it's, it's the most n- normal thing going. I don't think I've ever lifted a piece of bubble wrap at work or anywhere where I haven't popped it. I think if I saw anybody lift bubble wrap without popping it, I'd automatically assume they were a psychopath. Yeah, there's something wrong with them dudes. Yeah, but she pops one little bubble, and boom, there's an explosion. And she... Have some respect. Sorry, mate. Kira, I'm sorry. Oh, we've, man. we've lost Kira, man, for fuck's sake. The only way it could have been worse is if Twirly went with her. Off they used Twirly to deliver the package. Hey, <laughs> if, if they used Twirly to deliver the package and left him in the room. Yeah, if he died as well. Kira was great, man. We like Kira. That was horrible. She didn't need to die. Yeah, and it was, but it's, it's, it's pretty harrowing to be like, just, she had nothing to do no. with anything going on. She was just there to do a job, get paid, go home, do it again. Mm-hmm. She didn't need to get dragged into this shit. No. Whoever wrote that in, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it does kind of raise the stakes a little bit, doesn't it? Make the whole situation yeah. a bit more, a bit more perilous, a bit more, a bit more sinister and scary, I suppose, because of what's happened. But yeah, making us like Kira and then killing her, man, that's not a cool move. No, it's not. It's really not. But uh, effective, I'll give him that. Mm. Yeah, we've not spent this long on a side character for quite a while. I don't think. No, very true. Very unless they were a bastard. Unless they were a bastard. We've we've never spent this long on a likeable side character. No, I don't think we've ever really... Yeah, you're right. Totally. Totally. Oh, dear. Um, Before she goes, you know, bang, though, the system has actually told Judy on her little iPad control box clipboard effort Mm. that it has Kira. Before we get to the point... And the system has not notified Judy, as, as you explained, Dan, that anyone's been missing before. So it's like, well, why is it telling them this now? And it's obviously yeah. then we find out that there is a purpose to this, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, this was after they'd got too early in the, in the lobby. It, r- it run out of battery going through the options and preferences <laughs> to get it set up. Um, they've gone to, um, I think they've gone to sl- uh, the, the maintenance cupboard, um, place where Graham was working, managed to, Plug Twirly into the system, putting it putting in that you've had a two hundred year nap, so all your offers are out of date anyway. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> they actually, I, I know why Twirly. I know why we like Twirly because okay. Twirly starts getting confused because its only purpose is is delivery, and the future is confusing for pro, for its protocols. So Maddox presents a credentials to get Twirly to carry out an action that will save Kablam. And Twizzle saying, this is not in my protocols, and starts, like, twizzling around. And Graham says, Graham says like, look, you're making it anxious. Yeah. <laughs> you're making it nervous now. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and then the, doctors, the doctor puts it right, so you, we need you to go in the system, look for this, and then deliver the information to us. Yeah, that's clever. A little bit of wordplay. Yeah. But the plug twirly into the system, and it all goes sparking off. Um, yeah, we get the system 
we find out that the system though is the one that's called for help. Yes. And all the while, Yaz, Ryan, and Charlie are on their way to uh, to get Kira because they've decided to uh, to ride the conveyors. Yeah, and that was I quite did. a dramatic scene as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I like what Ryan says. This is I did this in my last job. And Yaz said, well, it goes really badly. Sprained ankle and a final warning. <laughs> <laughs> and it was rule number one, wasn't it, as well? When when they had, yeah. that, well, I suppose, induction at work, I suppose, for, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. Judy's showing them around at the very beginning. She t- tells them, no uncertain terms, rule number one, you do not ride the conveyors. We hear about the uh, the staff member who got caught leaning on the conveyors, got a warning, then was fired. Mm. Although we find out later that he was killed. Yes. But yeah, so they do this great thing where they're riding the conveyors. It's obviously a massive, massive place, and it's all going off. And the <laughs> Ryan and uh, Charlie try and high five, and Charlie falls off. Yeah, oh, it's just a proper <laughs> clang moment, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just a, it's a moment of moment of levity, isn't it? From uh, yeah. from all the serious stuff going on, and then he has Ryan and Charlie are ducking from the disinfect disinfectant and dodging lasers, and and they're finally at the uh, at the foundation level. And that's where we get the sad scene with Kira, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we learn, we learn a little bit more about old Charlie then, don't we? We do. Although we get the doctor uses a teleport just as Slade's pointing a gun at her to uh, to go down to the same level. Um, ah, yes. Uses a weird like nerve hold on Slade and just says, "Very rude to point guns at people. I'll never warm to you." <laughs> but then we get we get the first, I suppose. Uh, using a wrestling term, I guess the first little swerve for me, because yeah. Jarvis is not the baddie. No, he's not. He's uh, we find a vat of goo and group loops, which is the uh, the remains of the missing workers. And Graham, uh, Graham finds out after he's already stuck his finger in it. <laughs> uh, so anybody, anyone got a tissue? <laughs> but yeah, the, all along it's been Charlie. He because uh, Ryan Ryan Cotton's on. That he knew something bad was going to happen to Kira, mm-hmm. he's screaming at her not to not to pop the bubble wrap or open the package, and we see a shit ton of Kablam men being held back from making deliveries, all teleported into this foundation level. Yeah, and turns out Charlie's a you know vastly intelligent. He's studied cybernetics, explosives, teleportation, so he's been. Fucking with the ro- you know, with the robots to get them all here and making this, making these this bubble wrap explosives. With the idea being, send these deliveries all out at once, make it look like the system failed, so that people will then abandon automation and get more people into work. He's a terrorist, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a fucking terrorist. He wants to kill off innocent people for his own political viewpoints. Yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult because you're absolutely right. He's a terrorist, and it's very much a case of the ends justifying the means. But the means are fucking horrific mm. because you know he's, he's making a point saying ten percent. We're supposed to be grateful that ten percent can work, but what about the ninety percent? And he's saying without action, then it'll go down to seven percent, then five percent, then one percent. And it's just kind of like I understand where you're coming from, but this isn't the way to do it. Mm. And the doctor even says, you know, she's overlooked the maintenance man. She said herself, the the one the one with unlimited access, yeah, goes, no, that goes unnoticed. 
And it's true. I mean, I was uh, before I started this job, as as you know, Dan. I was a cleaner at a school for a while. Mm. Obviously, different scenario. There's no, you know, psychotic cleaners and you know, explosive bubble wrap anywhere. Well, I hope not. Anyway, not at the school. But I, I had keys to pretty much everywhere. I I, I literally I, I could go anywhere, and nobody were bat eyelid. It's just mm. it, I was just this big bloke with a beard and long hair in shorts and a t-shirt. And if I was carrying my mop and bucket. Nobody gave a shit where I, I walked in you know, the bathrooms, the toilets, the stock cupboards, the, the computer rooms that were always locked because of how much expensive materials they had in there. Nobody bad nighted because they just assumed I was going in there to clean and nobody said anything yeah. to me. Nobody, to be honest, a lot of people wouldn't even say hello. I just went under the radar because I was there scurrying around behind them, mopping up their shite. So it's completely <laughs> true. It's completely true what they say. You just, it, it just access everywhere, but almost invisible at the same time. Yeah, it's um, it's an old Phoenix Nights joke. They had a little sketch one uh, once where the TV got nicked because two blokes wearing overalls just walked in, unplugged it from the wall and said, sorry, we've got to take this uh, to be fixed. <laughs> and then, you know, Brian Potter comes in and says, why did you let them take the TV? And they were wearing overalls. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it, it's a great twist. Um, mm. It's a cracking twist at the end um, because you kind of understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, it's Graham again. It, Graham sums it up, where he's saying imperfect machines without a conscience, machines malfunction. That's what they do. And then Graham says, "No, mate, you're the one that's. That's what you're doing. Seriously malfunctioning." Yeah, and then Charlie turns around and like proper yells at him, doesn't he? Like, I'm not your mate. And it's like, yeah. all right, pal. Doesn't he? Oh. Yeah, he's yeah. on the edge. And like, yeah, because he didn't. The doctor says it. He didn't expect to fall in love. And now he's lost Kira because the system was fighting against him. Yeah, the system obviously does have a, have a conscience because it sent for the doctor. It tried to use Kira to get him to stop, mm-hmm. but the system isn't intelligent enough or sentient enough to call off the the murder. Essentially, yeah. But it's it, it's a lot to get it's a lot to get your head around by that point. Yeah, totally. Um, we get one of those like brilliant visuals that I mentioned earlier on and the here as well, because Charlie actually, I suppose for, for want of a better term, he, he fires up the army, doesn't he? He turns, he turns yeah. all the soldiers on. So all the light, the eyes come on, all the lights come on and it just shows how many of them there are. And it scatters all the way back. And there's just these rows and rows and rows of these delivery men, bomber soldiers, I guess, or holding their parcels and so on. And I thought visually that was another moment. That was just absolutely superb. Yeah, it looked fantastic. I, I I was lucky enough to see the Terracotta Warriors in China. And it's like it's one of those bucket list things and it, it's a sight to behold. It's this huge aircraft hammer and you can see row after row of statue that they've managed to piece together over the decades. And they're still piecing it together. But it's all excavated where they were buried initially and it looks amazing. Right. Okay. And it just it made me think of that. It's like imagine if all those just like fired up at the same time. That was the only thing I could sort of liken it to in my head. Yeah. And like I said, when you see all the lights and they're all moving in unison, it, it, there's a touch of Cybermen about it. Yeah, totally. Um, which is, you know, easy comparison to make, but I'll, I'm low hanging fruit today. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> but just, he, he says about it being for a cause as well. And the doctor says, this isn't a cause. You're not an activist. This is cold blooded murder. Yeah. But, to kind of book book some of the trends really with this because 
not only does Charlie fire up the army, he then smashes the controller and Yaz restrains him as best she can, but gets distracted and he gets free and decides to run down because he's going to... I don't know what his end game is like going down there. I don't know if he's just trying to run away or he's going to hitch a lift on one of the teleports. I've got he, no idea what he's doing. I, th- I think maybe he's just desperate and just trying to get away. And, mm. and well, he's seen the girl, the girl he likes is dead. The doctor is going to foil his plan. It seems potentially he's panicking because he wants to. This is the end game now, I suppose. Um, he sees that Twirly is with him, so he knows he's not. He's up against it straight off the bat. Twirly, <laughs> Twirly saves the day, in, in fairness. Yeah. Without Twirly, they'd have been royally fucked. Yeah, Twirly's the, the a daughter, legend. Yeah, do you know what? Twirly should should have been the modern day canine. I would. I'd prefer Twirly to canine. I'm gonna say that's controversial. I know, but I'm gonna say it. I prefer Twirly to canine. I'm not a big canine fan at all. Same. Uh, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. But no nostalgia for canine. That's the thing for me. You know, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so rather they're trying to do the thing with something with the the Kablam man's head from before. That's not working. So the use Twirly to link him into all the delivery bots and change the address for all the Kablam robots to deliver to themselves in the hangar. Yeah, which is just brilliant. It's, it's using the system and the, the the delivery system and the and yeah. the, the the address programming and all that sort of stuff using what's available to them to switch the whole scenario around to their advantage. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, I love stuff like that. It's brilliant. Just, just yeah, like I said, playing the system. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but right to the end, Graham still sees, the, still tries to see the good in Charlie because he tries, yeah, he, he, does it, he does his best to call him back. And it's, that's a very doctor move because the doctor always wants to save everybody or at least save everybody so they can answer for what they've done. Mm. The Doctor never likes to leave anybody to die. But Charlie just won't be. So, like he says, his his whole purpose was this plan. He found sort of a, a new reason for being with Kira. She's gone. And he just refuses. And you see, again, another great visual, you see all the explosions going off. Because they've been ordered to use the bubble wrap as well. Yeah. You see all these explosions and him get caught up in the middle of it. Yeah. What a way to go, though. Seeing that wave of just fire and death, I suppose, coming towards you. and Yeah. It's like I say, it's for all the, you know, for all some of this is a bit silly or a bit on the nose here and there. That's one of the moments where it is just really heavy. <laughs> mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, he deserved it. He was a piece of shit in the end, wasn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, it was a cock end. Um, mm. But yeah, it's last act of a desperate man. It's but yeah, I'm glad he's gone. He was a twat. He was. He was. A dick. <laughs> it's just a shame that Kira had to go to, as well. Oh, Kira, so sad. I blame Charlie, the the tosser, yeah, the bastard. <sighs> but that's kind of it, then, isn't it? I mean, we get a bit more. Uh, I suppose summing up at the end of the episode, we have. The, the two bosses there, Judy and so on, they're talking about how Kablam is going to be more people-driven going forward. So they've made a difference long to In a weird way, they've made the difference that Charlie kind of wanted, I suppose. Yeah, in a roundabout way, he's effectively achieved his goal. I think mm. one of the weird things as well, after all that that they've done and seen there, the teleport back into the, into the reception, and you just hear the corporate jingles playing in the background as they all take yeah. a moment to... Like that's 
just weird. Mm. It makes me think there's a, a video game called Outer Worlds, and it's basically in a future where humanity has gone to another another solar system and another galaxy, and uh, companies effectively own entire planets, and or you were born into working for a company. Okay. And it very much felt like it felt like this. So it's all corporate right. jingles and all of that. So you, you, it's from birth, you are told which company's products you will use for the rest of your life. So if you're born into like a Spacer's Choice family, you use that product, even if it's inferior to one sold by somebody else. Well, okay. And it just felt, this Kablam episode just felt like an extension of that. Mm. I've got the same vibes. It's all creepy corporate overlords. There's shit going wrong in the background. Nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. But there's something sinister there. And it's, yeah. If it's any video game fans out there, if you like if you like this episode and you've not played Outer Worlds, go play Outer Worlds. It's fucking great. Ah, yeah. So there you go. Well, actually, speaking of video games, um, keep your eyes peeled. It might be a few weeks down the line, but there may be some uh, video game-related news coming up on the show. Oh, yes. And when we say video game-related news, you know 100% that has nothing to do with me. Any <laughs> any tech I have still effectively runs on coal or it's like a wind-up system. Or whatever. I've, got, I've got no idea what I'm doing with any of that stuff, so it will all be Dan. So, But, yeah, look out for that. If, it, if, if I can make it work, that is, I'm just throwing it out there now. But I'll uh, like I say more on that as and when it develops. There we go. Uh, the last little note we have, I suppose, is that Yaz still has Dan's necklace, and she says yeah. to the doctor she wants to go and find his daughter and just tell her how great her dad was and give the necklace back and so on. Which is a sad little moment to, to sort of close up on, I guess. But it, a touching one as well. So you know, yeah, it's sad but it's sweet. And the thing is, Graham gets the last moment again. Yes. Because you know they say it's the least we can do. They go and give the necklace back, and Graham's got a bit of bubble wrap, and I can't remember who it is who says he. You sure you want to pop that? I'm assuming it's the doctor. Mm. And Graham just sort of looks at it. Uh, actually, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Ah, oh, dear. But that's it then. That's the end of the episode, doesn't it? That was that's kind of it. There's uh, the music starts all done yeah. and dusted. Off we go. So it's very much a self-contained monster of the week style story i guess um and the, and the real monsters were humans all along there we go look at that <laughs> <laughs> uh what yeah. did you think then in summary dan having watched this back uh obviously this week for the show first time in a little while what are your thoughts on on this jody whittaker adventure it's better than i remember it but still not one of my favorite episodes it's not one that i'll rush back to Okay. Um, the plot twist of the, of the real villain's very good. The visual, the visual effects are really good. It's one of Ryan's better episodes, which you know we said isn't saying much. It goes from maybe a five to a five point five, or a, you know, just mm. above average. Um, still like Bradley Walsh because he's amazing, as we've said. Yaz is always good. I do like Jodie with screaming. If even if, I think a criticism, especially of the early days, is that it was a bit too much sort of hyperactivity, you know, sort of golden retriever excitement all the time. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's one of the... The, the good bits are good. And, you know, the stuff with Kira is very good, but I don't know, there's just something just something that doesn't grab me about it, and I can't quite put my finger on it. It's, I think it's kind of like everything's 
slightly above average, but not above average enough to be really truly memorable. Okay. I can see I can see me forgetting bits and pieces about this quite quickly. Right. Even though, even though I've really enjoyed it, you know, and I've loved talking about it with you, and I, I think I appreciate it more now than than after I've watched it, even just this morning. Mm. But I don't think it's a stayer. You know, I don't think it's one that I'll go back to. You know, year on year, you know, every you know, however long. Yeah. But then again, I could be wrong. It's one of those ones I've got. I've got to wait and see how it grows on me now, because it like Family of Blood took over 10 years for me to realise how good it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like I said, there's a couple of these things where, it's, it, even though I think it's lacklustre now, there's enough that I can see why other people would really enjoy it and class it as one of the better Whitaker episodes. It's just something leaves me a bit meh on it. Yeah. That's the level That's the level of my eloquence at the minute. I'm down to vague noises. Right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> what about you, mate? What do you think of it? Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much more this time than when I first watched it. When I first watched it, I you speak about things being memorable. I bought it up on the iPlayer to watch today. And I, I could remember this episode and aspects of this episode from watching it the first time round in 2018. Not masses of it, but I could remember the, 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 the robot villains, I suppose. I could remember certain aspects of the Amazon crossover or, or Amazon-inspired you know, moments mm. to the story. There are so many other episodes from Jodie Whittaker. As I was scanning through the iPlayer's menu to find this one that I just don't remember at all. So maybe that's a good thing for this episode because I could mm. remember certain aspects in comparison to others. I enjoyed watching it back though. I, uh, again, the character Kira is fantastic. I love Twirly, Twirly's ace. Uh, <laughs> and the, the, the sort of double swerve, I guess, of the, the main man, the warehouse manager, or the the, the Kablam manager, not being the villain, but young, nice maintenance guy Charlie being this. Effectively, he's he's going to turn into a mass murderer. That double kind of swerve for me, I think, was really well done. Because even though I would seen this before, that I did not remember watching it back. So I got the whole oh moment again when it was revealed. So that was brilliant. It is one of those, though, that, as I said, I suppose, it's the sort of Monster of the Week-esque. It's literally a self-contained story, which has nothing wrong with that, of course. It's yeah. a very self-contained story, that, and it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, you watch it from start to finish, but that's kind of it. There's nothing else running a, away from that episode into other stories, which, again, is absolutely fine. But I could see why it could be seen as being absolutely fantastic to some people or you know, completely forgettable to others because of the, the nature of it, I guess. Similar to what you're saying, it is, it, it's not mediocre, but it's not fantastic, I guess. It's by mm. far, you know, by far and away, not the worst thing we've watched in any stretch of the imagination, but it doesn't hit the levels of some of the best we've watched either. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's in your, your six and a half, your six to seven out of tens. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. you're not going to have a bad time watching it. No, that's fair enough. But there's plenty better than it. But then, the, by the same token, there's a lot fucking worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, there we go. Then that's it, I suppose. Then I suppose next week we can uh, touch upon what we're doing there. Next week we're having a guest on. 
Mr. Matt Willis is joining us. And next week, we will be looking at the John Pertwee story, Planet of the Daleks, selected by Matt for us to go back and have a watch of. So that's going to be very interesting. And guest week, mate. I enjoyed guest week last time. So guest week this time, I'm looking forward to it, bud. Yeah, so am I. It's nice to get a third voice on and, uh, and get some other people's opinions. It's, uh, it takes a bit of pressure off us as well. That's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> we just, just like having the odd week where we can be a little bit lazy. That's it. That's it. Exactly. That's the, that's, the, that's the motivation behind it. Dan, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online, my friend? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. And you can hear me on Unbooking the Territory. Uh, that's on Twitter at UTT Podcast, uh, where we discuss the first and last of professional wrestling. And branching off from that, we have Unbooking the Tankatory, which is our podcast charting the life and times, the ups and downs of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott in WCW. It's uh, very much a niche within a niche within a niche, but it's a passion project. Those episodes at the minute are really taking on a life of their own because I just did not realise how much fun WCW 2000 was in the Hogan, not Hogan, in the, uh, the Russo and Bischoff era. Um, so yeah, we're having we're having a laugh with that. It will it won't be everybody's cup of tea, but just give it a go. You might be surprised. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, you can. Well, first of all, before I talk about finding me, people can buy merch. Dan, people can buy Doctor Who pod t shirts, mugs, hoodies. Is, is that like the t shirt you're wearing now, sir? That nobody but me can see. That's it. Very very uh, difficult to, I suppose impress on a audio podcast it's not going to work really but i'm wearing a wee woo beep boop doctor who pod t-shirt um basically pretty much every show from the sjp world media network has merchandise of some description as i said t-shirts hoodies mugs stickers you can get all sorts uh the store is carried by t public so if you head over to tpublic.com and look for stores slash SJP World Media. You can find links to all the stuff that we have there, the Doctor Who pod merch and chain wrestling, Nitro Nights, all that sort of stuff, everything you can imagine. And I bought a couple myself before they went on sale just to make sure they were okay. And I'll tell you what, they are bloody great. I'm a big fat bloke, and the quality suits me. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy with how they've turned out. So, yeah, go and check that out. But... You can follow me on Twitter at SJP Words. You can follow uh, or join the group, I guess, on Facebook, SJP, all the shows and info. And that's where you're going to get links to everything I'm involved in, all the different shows that are now being carried on the new network, SJP World Media. And you can find that as well on Twitter at SJP World Media. Chuck it a follow. Every show will effectively have its own its own channel, its own stream, I guess. So if you're only interested in listening to the Doctor Who pod without getting interrupted by other shows that have wrestling talk and so on, by all means, you can just focus on that one there. Or if you want to just sample a bit of everything, always worth it. You might discover a show you didn't know of before and we're just having new shows joining the network all the time. The main SJP World Media feed will also be carrying the majority of shows all jumbled up on there, in, well, in date order, but all jumbled up in topic, I suppose on the main feed there so there you go yeah and most importantly i guess you can find this show on facebook and twitter at the doctor who pod that's at the d-r-w-h-o-p-o-d at the doctor who pod daleks next week then dan daleks next week lovely stuff been a while can't wait to get to it mate um yeah i just hope i uh, just hope i survive the week otherwise you might be talking to a sentient puddle <laughs>
And that would be very wibbly wobbly, wouldn't it? We would beep boop sci fi stuff. I still can't believe something I've said on this show just as a stupid little goof to amuse myself is on a t shirt. And it's I a cool it. fucking t shirt, man. Yeah. And I, well, funny enough, I am going to, as soon as we're finished here, I've got a, just got a quick pickup to do. And then I will be on T Public because I am a mark for myself and I need a wee wee beep boop t shirt. Nice. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. And as, as always, the, the link will be in the episode description on your podcast players as well. So click on that link. It'll take you straight to the merch store. Or as I said, you can just search T public and, and look up SJP world media there and on Twitter, Facebook, it's going to be all over our social medias, but the link to the store will be in the podcast description as well with regards to where you can follow us and then find our lovely, lovely merchandise. So go get yourself some stuff because we want your money because we are poor. Yes. Okay. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, I'll speak to you next week, bud. Catch you later, pal. And to, every- and to everybody else, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, have you have you seen what I've done? Oh yeah, you sure you sent me it. Yeah, that, do you know that's actually looking like a half decently grilled sausage? It's fucking. It looks like marmite, mate. <laughs> it looks like the paper broke. Yeah, my fingers fucked, man. Yeah, you won't be. So you won't be able to. Oh, you got a wee wee beep boot t shirt on. I have. I have got a wee wee beep boot t shirt. Yep. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can. I can. I can do that. I, but that's only started today, me to being able to do that. You're too sweet days are done. Oh, man, I can't, I can't too sweet. Look, that's, that was all swollen up there. It, oh, it was fat. Yeah, it will have been. Yeah, because you fucking mangled your hand, you great tit. Yeah, it weren't, it weren't a good look, mate. It weren't a good look. So I'm, I'm tomorrow off work, but... There's about seven different flapper jokes just went through my head then. <laughs> <coughs> oh god oh. <coughs> that crapped up on me Whoa. okay I'll cut that Fun out stuff. Yeah. Got up, so. hey? I don't know just in, the middle, just in the middle of the thing you cut out the joke about the 20s part <coughs> there's just you hacking up a lump yeah <laughs> oh I've been I've been here half a day and I'm not going to go go around smelling people who are young enough to be my grandkids. <laughs> Gets you in trouble doing that, just randomly smelling people. Probably does. I wouldn't know. You're the one with the uh, the experience there, I assume. Well, my criminal record. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I have no criminal <laughs> record because I haven't been caught yet. Um- <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't sniff people. This is t- taking a weird turn. I'm going to cut this out. Um, <laughs> don't sniff people, just bus seats. Oh, I make the bus stank the other day. Coming along, I catch the bus from... There's one of those buses that only goes out to a village once every hour. So, you know, in the middle of the day, it's full of old people. You know? And yeah. that bus happens to pass right outside an alleyway which takes me to my house before it yeah. jaunts off into the sticks. And it was warm and it was grim and there's lots of old people on there and it just reeks of 
BO and piss, and it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> BO, piss, and death. Yeah, it was horrid, mate. Mostly my, my bus on the on the way to and from work is on a route for several schools, including the one I used to go to. So my bus on the morning is a combination of old people getting into the town centre early and young people going to work. So it's two different two different ends of the BO spectrum. Because mm. you've got a bunch of bunch of sweaty, fucking acne riddled teenage boys, and we were both teenage boys. We stink. Yeah, totally. It's just what happens. And I've got a got teenage got... boy at home. I mean, he's oh, my yeah, son. He's my son. It's not like I've got a random teenage boy in the house. <laughs> I want to just clear. I want to just clear that up. I just. Well, I, assume on... this, I assume this was all getting cut out anyway. Yeah, I just declared on the podcast. Uh, you know. I've got a teenage boy at home. Yeah, he's my son. It's not like, you know, I've not got like a... I've got a teenage boy at home, or at least the parts to make one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, my point was he stinks. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> should, we, should we get back to Kablam? <laughs> yes, let's do that. Yes, do that. Uh, where were we? <laughs> Shitty um, buses and pissy teenagers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're back in... Uh, da, 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 da. It's Graham and, uh, and Charlie. They've got the map. Oh, 